Welcome back to Podcast 13 of 2022. I'm your host, Kiev O'Neill. You can follow me on Twitter at OBKiev. Follow us at the Osbreakers. Follow us on social media slash the Osbreakers. This episode is being brought to you by mybookie.ag. For a 100% sign-up bonus, please visit mybookie. Use the promo code the Oddsbreakers. Terms, conditions, and location apply. If you'd like to help us out with our cost sponsor, the website and the podcast, we'd love to help you out. Please visit theoddsbreakers.com. Click shop and become a member. Pick any of our winning handicappers to get their premium plays before the line moves. And you also get access to our Discord channel to talk to us at any time about sports. And if nothing else, please visit theasbreakers.com and become a free Picks Newsletter subscriber. It's hoop season, my friends, officially now that the Super Bowl has ended. But obviously, the Super Bowl has extended into mid-February, so... Uh, for me, hoop season started a long time ago, but for other people in the general public, I can imagine that it's more ramping up right now. But as you know, I am a big college hoops fan, and I love it, and that is why I am bringing a great college hoops guest who also loves it in one of our very own handicappers, Mr. Michael Fordham from theoddsbreakers.com. We are going to talk some games for the weekend. We're going to talk about some teams that might have some value in the future, either by selling or buying on them, obviously spread dependent. So we're going to look at some of that and get into the biggest games of the weekend as well. But before Michael comes on, I wanted to give you a Super Bowl recap of the big game on Sunday. So from a betting perspective, we did pretty well on the props. I think from just the player props themselves and the MVPs, we are slightly over even. Now, it also depends upon some of the numbers. Jamar Chase got four yards rushing. I gave that out at 4.5, but it was actually 3.5 in a lot of other books. So hopefully you were able to cash that one if you got that as a subscriber the exotic props unfortunately had the lower limits but that's where we hit i believe four out of five of them four and one in the exotic props hit the first song when some of that information leaked out to me hit the first rapper to be on stage laid as much as we possibly could at mybookie.com for that also hit the Mary J. Blige has no cleavage. Now, I wasn't sure how they're going to grade that because she just had that little spot in her chest open, but there was a top over it straight through there, so they graded that as no cleavage, hit plus 200 on that. And then the Snoop Dogg has no L.A. Rams gear on was an easy one, hit that at plus 250, and that paid out quite well for as much as I was able to get down just because he had Rams colors on didn't mean he had Rams gear is kind of what I was expecting him to do he actually also had white shoes on but I never took that play I think the only one I lost was the Eminem swears over 1.5 times but come to think of it I'm not even 100% sure I lost that but it's one of the uh 
fun things I did for myself was I bought the Super Bowl squares. I bought the zero and the three, and I figured it's going to be three nothing by half. You know, I I bet the first half under, as you know, twenty four, and that missed extra point <laughs> certainly helped me out a little bit. There would have pushed at the twenty four. The free play was twenty three and a half. So correlated with the the low scoring I thought was going to happen I thought three and zero was perfect but what ended up happening is the end of the first half was thirteen to ten at the end of the whole game was twenty three to twenty so I hit those numbers twice and I got plus four twenty five or plus four fifty something like that when I bought those squares so I was pretty happy about uh, the casino offering that prop. It was actually on DraftKings, I think, where I bought those squares. But some of the final props that I gave out were the ones that helped out the most. It was the Uzoma under two and a half catches. I actually think he did get two catches, but we got a nice plus number on that, plus 105 or plus 110. The Cooper Cup under 108.5 yards. He only ended up with 90-some yards for as good as he did to get an MVP trophy. But that number was monstrous. And for this way this game played out, they tried to stop Cooper Cup a lot, except when it came down to the goal line. They, I think the, the Bengals really choked on that. Also hit the largest one for a couple stars was total rushing yards under 170 197.5. That was certainly one that helped. And Sonny Michelle under 6.5 yards receiving. We nailed that one. Out of of the ones I gave out the end, I actually lost on the Jamar Chase under 81.5. And that was a smaller play. But that was one of the final ones at the end that actually hurt me a little bit. I missed the T. Higgins over 5.5 receptions. Obviously, which I would have took his over his yardage. But at the same time, that big touchdown should have been negated. And you know how I am when it comes to how these games are officiated. It's It was the talk about the whole Super Bowl again, at least on Twitter. Even Tony Dungy t- uh, tweeted out, how the heck do you start calling the same fouls that's been happening all game at the very end to favor a team to win it, right? I, I mean, that's it was a defensive game. Uh, Tobert's crew did exactly what I thought they would do, and they would swallow the flags on the defense. And lots of Super Bowls were won because of the defense holding the receivers, not letting them get into the routes, and that's been happening all game, except they decided to call it at the very end. But then you can also say, well, the Bengals shouldn't have got that touchdown when T. Higgins grabbed the face mask of Ramsey and threw him on the ground. I agree with that too. But unfortunately, we don't know if the Bengals would have kept driving down to score a touchdown anyway, right? And obviously, we don't know if the Rams would have gotten in on fourth down if those calls weren't made. It's just an absolute mess, and it made it so the officials massively impacted this game more than the players did. That's frustrating. That's not why we watch games. And I think it's up to us to keep our voices loud on this so it eventually changes. Now, One good factor is that people are betting on this stuff more and they're complaining more and it's actually making more of an impact than it ever has in the past. I think that's huge. Thank you, everybody, for doing that. 
you know, it's uh, we love sports and we bet on sports and we want to see a game that's decided by the players because that's how we handicap. We don't like to have to handicap by looking at the officials. That's already been done this year some. Ron Torbert's crew, you know, is an under-official. And Jerome Bogers are, they're over-officials. You know, they call pass interference constantly, you know. So uh, we'd rather have it so the metrics apply to our handicap and apply to the game flow a heck of a lot more than what the randomness of the Tony Correntes and the rest of the officiating crews are doing. So hopefully the NFL fixes this at some point. And, uh, you know, if not, then somebody's got to step in. Now, fortunately, there was a point in the second half that the Bengals were leading this game, and I was able to get another hedge back on my bet, even at the plus money side, and took some of the Rams plus three. So I had an opportunity to win a good amount of units on either side hitting. So that Bengals 18 to 1 future really paid off for whoever took it at the oddsbreakers.com. All right, before we get into basketball, wanted to mention that Sports Wagering U is offering a free college basketball handicapping class next Tuesday at 8.30 p.m. Eastern, 5.30 Pacific. That is February 22nd, next week, Tuesday. You can just go to sportswageringu.com and you click on it and it's for free rather than paying for it. There's going to be some college basketball classes offered afterwards i'm going to be involved teaching some kyle hunter nick hub a couple other great people and some surprise guests coming on to talk about how we handicap our college basketball games and hopefully could help you become better handicappers yourself so make sure you check out sportswageringu.com all right real quick before Michael comes on, I wanted to talk about an overrated conference. Now, I, I'm not a Mountain West hater, guys, by any means. But I think that they're a little bit overrated because I started digging into them. And once teams get into the top 35, top 25 on Ken Palm, it really piques my interest to see what's going on. I mean, when you have teams like Boise State, top 30. You have teams like Wyoming, top 40, so they're close. San Diego State, no offense whatsoever, top 35. They're actually ranked number 34 right now. And um, a couple other teams are pretty high. I wonder what's going on. And I, I try to look at who some of these teams have beat. I think San Diego State has the best wins, and that and their best win is against number twenty-one St. Mary's, who, in my opinion, is a little bit overrated. And then their other best win is against number thirty-three Colorado State. And Colorado State in the Mountain West, as you know, you know they they don't have any better wins than that. The next one is in their own conference. You know they lost to Michigan when Michigan was bad. San Diego State did anyway. They lost to USC by double digits. They lost to BYU by six, and BYU hasn't been a good game. So I'm trying to figure out where the heck <laughs> these wins are coming from. Colorado State is probably the next best team ranked on Ken Palm, and they have the St. Mary's win. 
But then their next best win is Mississippi State, number 42 Mississippi State, only by three points on a neutral court. So um, I, my head, I'm scratching my head a little bit. Everyone's calling for this Mountain West to bring on you know, three at-large teams into the tournament, and uh, I'm not sure if I'm buying that right now. So just I just wanted to throw that out there. Um, early in the season, they were saying the Big 12 is the best. Now that Baylor has those nasty injuries and Kansas has really no defense and they got destroyed by, well, they got beat by Texas and then they got beat by Kentucky. I'm not sure if I'm buying the Big 12 either as being um, the best conference like people were saying earlier in the season right now. And obviously I'm a Big 10 fan. And, you know, maybe I'm somewhat biased towards the Big Ten. But to be honest with you, I'm not even sure if the Big Ten is number one. I think they're number two. I really do because you have Purdue over there that's been absolutely fantastic. You have Illinois that's looking great. You have Ohio State, Iowa. You have the most amount of Big Ten teams bunched into, you know, the top 20, top 30 on Ken Palm. But the SEC, I hate to say, is probably the best conference in all of college basketball. Kentucky is number three on Ken Palm. Uh, Auburn is number five, right? Uh, Tennessee, I, I think they're overrated, but they're number nine. And then you get into your LSUs, Alabamas, and Arkansas, all in the top 22. So... I think the SEC is the best basketball conference right now, which they've always boasted that they're the best football conference. Obviously, we'll see. None of this matters when the tournament happens, right? It's a winner take all. But I, I just wanted to mention that. Um, I think the Big East is pretty good. They're a little bit top-heavy with uh, Nova on top there. And then you, of course, have UConn uh, lurking there as well. But, you know, they're... They're probably the fourth or fifth best conference, in my opinion. And then the Pac-12 is really interesting, too. I would almost say they could be fourth and maybe the Big East is fifth just because Arizona has been so lights out. And then you have UCLA right there as well. Um the rest of the Pac-12, USC has kind of faltered a little bit. So you could argue probably between the Big East and the Pac-12. But the the conference that is the biggest surprise to everybody is the ACC. I mean, this is usually the best conference in basketball. Well, at least from the public's opinion year over year, but the only team from the ACC in the top 25 is Duke, and they ranked 10th, and they kind of faltered the last few weeks. Freaking Duke lost to Virginia, almost lost to Wake Forest at home two nights ago. I can't believe it's only Duke. The next one is Virginia Tech at number 26, and... After that, Jesus, you got to dig. Wake Forest at number 38. Notre Dame's got to be somewhere here. Uh, Notre Dame 61. You know, Notre Dame 60. I cannot believe how bad 
the ACC has been this year, and they haven't showed it in the non-conference play, and it's just been awful for them. Pittsburgh's been just pathetic. Um, Boston College is bad, and they actually almost beat Notre Dame. That game went into overtime last night, but i got to tell you, uh, I've never seen the ACC looking so bad. And as a Big Ten fan, I don't mind it so much. You suck! (laughs) All right, my friends, enough of me harping on these conferences in college basketball. Let's get into our guest for some college basketball for the weekend, Mr. Michael Fordham from the Ozbreakers.com. All right, now I'm really excited to welcome back to this podcast an up-and-coming capper who hasn't slowed down since football season and our very own Mr. Michael Fordham from theoddsbreakers.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Fordham Gambling. Michael, I've been meaning to ask you, man, what's it like sharing last uh, a last name with a team in the Atlantic 10 Conference? Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely not ideal, especially with that conference this year. It's definitely... A lot of mediocrity there. But yeah, Kiev, I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, no problem. That's kind of funny. It's like the Fordham. But why couldn't it, why couldn't it be Duke or something, right? Last name Duke. Or, <laughs> yeah. it's, I, uh, it happens to be Fordham. I've asked is, all the time if I have any affiliation with Fordham. I always have to say, no, thank God. You wouldn't believe how many times people ask Kiev if I'm from Russia. Yeah, it, it, <laughs> it, it, it blows my mind. It's like, that's like being named Chicago from Illinois. Yeah, hey, Chicago. <laughs> seriously it's like think a little bit now the real reason i have a fake reason and a real reason the real reason is real boring so i tell people the fake one why i was named kiev but anyways we got a lot of college basketball to talk about here man and uh you know what i was just ranting a little bit i was talking about which teams are overrated i guess and then i, then I just got into you know i'm gonna i'm gonna name my top three teams um and i didn't even mean teams i mean conferences is what i should say I, I said that the mountain west is a little bit overrated right now um in my opinion and then i said the top three conferences and before everyone's saying the big 12 is the best conference because they kept looking at baylor texas and uh kansas but you know baylor's hurt now and i personally have a different top three i think i have uh, maybe the big 12 and number three but what do you have for your top three conferences I think it's obviously the SEC, uh, Big 12, and Big 10. I think there's a lot of debate over what order you could put them in. You know, personally, I, I'm a Texas fan, so I, I watch a lot of Big 12 basketball. I, I wouldn't say it's necessarily the best conference, but in my opinion, it's definitely the deepest conference. I mean, the, the, there's not an easy game in that conference. I mean, I think probably West Virginia's last in the conference or Iowa State, and, and those are two teams that can go and go and beat anybody. So, uh, whereas in the SEC, you've got Missouri, Georgia, Ole Miss – some some pretty bad teams. Um, I don't know. I I also like the uh, the Big Ten as well. You got some of those you know top teams like Purdue. Um, yeah, I mean I, I I think you could obviously argue for any of them. Uh, I, I would say though Big Twelve is the deepest. Uh, and then I think with with the SEC, even with those teams like Missouri and Georgia, we, we've seen them take Auburn, Alabama, some of those top teams down to the wire. So uh, yeah. You know, it, it, I don't. You can flip flop the Big Ten and Big Twelve for me. I'm gonna go Big Ten too, just because in the top twenty, you got a few Big Ten teams, as in your Illinois, Purdue, uh, Ohio State, um, Iowa, and, and I guess this is from a Ken Palm perspective. But you know, a lot of people go by this, and it's an efficiency one. It's better than the AP, right? So, um, top right, tw- yeah. top twenty five. But I have no disagreement with you. The SEC is the number one. Um, just the way Kentucky handled Kansas. And, 
you know, look at what Auburn's been doing all year. Look at how Alabama beat Gonzaga, right? I mean, the SEC right. is very, very legit this year. It's hard for me to say that, but <laughs> they are. Um, you know, of course, you got Georgia on the very bottom, though. <laughs> you got Georgia, Ole Miss, South Carolina, some really stinky teams, and you can't really say that you know, A&M is a guaranteed in or Missouri's definitely out for sure. But what I will say about the Big 12 is that they do have less teams but there isn't one that's an easy out, so I agree with you there. Um, I think that even your TCUs and Kansas States are pretty good, you know. Very good, yeah. yeah, yeah. There's there's not one team in the Big Twelve that's under sixty fourth on Ken Palm, and that's West Virginia. So that's a great point, you know. I mean, for what you got, I think what's so interesting on, about the Big Twelve this year is they're all kind of styled the same as well. A uh, lot of really good defense in that conference. Uh, which yields a lot of lower scoring games. And uh, you can argue that the offenses aren't as good, but it, it really makes for some from some fun watches. And uh, especially earlier in the season, I was having a lot of success betting the unders, but now we're seeing a lot of these totals like in the 120s. It, it's, it's just fun to see teams that are styled the same just kind of go at it. Yeah, yeah, totally. It is. And, it, and, it, and they kind of just lynch each other. And I've been dealing with that as a Big Ten fan for a long time, you know. Right. Uh, you know it's like Baylor gets hurt and they, Texas Tech beats them. Thank goodness we were on Tech last night. And um, it, it's just it, it's, they kind of cannibalize each other. And that's what's always happened. And then you look at a team like Gonzaga. You know, everyone's going to put Gonzaga as the number one overall seed. Well, I'll tell you what. Yeah, they beat UCLA, which is just proved to be okay they beat texas really early and that was at home but they have mm -hmm. that loss to duke and loss to alabama right um right. nice texas tech win but still if, if you're looking at this team playing an sec conference an acc or a big 12 they have five losses not two right so it's like they, it, it, it's kind of like you're going to give them the number one seed because of that and then they get inflated on the efficiency things because they're blowing out the t uh, tomato cans, and that's what they know to do. They 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 they're like, hey, if we blow these guys out, we're going to move up in the efficiency ratings, and uh, we're going to put us a number one seed. Well, you know, in my opinion, I think there might be a, they might be a number one seed, but I don't think they're the first overall in. Just my little rant, real quick, about Gonzaga. But <laughs> otherwise, let's get into it, man. Uh, for, this is a great exercise. You do it, I do it. It's talking about the uh, teams that might have some stock that's pretty low right now that you might want to buy on, you know, for whatever reason. And we have some teams that we have stock you might want to sell a little bit, of maybe overvalued in the marketplace from what they recently did so let's get going on that i have three apiece and i'll go first uh, i think that by low is the obvious is memphis for me and i did have that free play and you mentioned me on that thank you and i, I like memphis because they were massively hurt from december all the way till february and uh, now you see what happens when they're that full team again and they're beating teams like houston right and the, the reason I think that they're so low is because when they were so injured, there's like three, four, five key guys out at once. This was a preseason top 15 team, you know. They can be sneaky. And if you're worried about them making the tournament, um, they already have some big wins in November and um, a little bit in December against Alabama and Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech's the number two team in the ACC right now, right? And they and they have, uh, of course, the big Houston win. 
Um, and then they took care of their conference when they started getting better. They beat St. Louis. You know, beating Houston definitely christened them. I think they're in no matter what, 15-8. and eight. You know, they might lose that last game against Houston, but so what? I mean, I, I think they're a, a buy-on team right now. I would certainly agree with you. I mean, I, I think getting over that hump and beating Houston – I believe they, they got just short of beating Houston last year, and that, that was kind of a monkey on their back. It's just funny to, to, to think how quickly things change. It was just a few weeks ago where Penny Hardaway was getting all that heat on that post-game press conference, just kind of making a ton of excuses. Well, you know, it turns out he was kind of right. Uh, they've, you know, they've gotten all their guys back healthy. They, they, they lost Amani Bates, who was the you know, 17-year-old freshman. That's kind of an addition by subtraction move. They, they put a lot better without him. Uh, I, I'd certainly agree with you. I, I think Memphis is definitely getting hot at the right time. All right. Well, why don't you give us one? Uh, as far as a team that I'm buying on, I really like this Wake Forest team. Uh, just saw them the other night at Duke, uh, lost by two. Yeah, they, they, they were down by double digits and you know kind of had to fight their way back. But, you know, obviously, I, I think you kind of mentioned this a second ago, but the ACC is very weak this year. Uh, a lot of mediocrity in there. I, I think actually, though, one thing about that conference is there are some pretty good offenses in that conference when you look at Miami, uh, Syracuse, teams like that. Uh, and, and still, Wake Forest top 45 in defensive efficiency, a uh, very balanced team, uh, very good offense as well. I, I just think that this team is uh, set up better than most uh, than the teams coming out of the ACC. I mean, we saw North Carolina last night. Uh, I think they lost outright. Oh, was that against Pittsburgh or Boston College? Oh, it was I mean, disgusting. Um, yeah. Just absolutely putrid loss at home against Pittsburgh. And this was like a, what, 17, 8, 20 point spread. It was, it was big. Yeah, it was huge. Yeah. I, I think they were only like 20 at halftime, too. It's just, and, and that was coming off the heels of that, uh, of that, like, you know, blowout win against Florida State, too. So I think Wake Forest is a pretty reliable team. I think they're well balanced. I think this is a team that they could make a push uh, trying to get into the second weekend in March. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Love Wake Forest. Great, great one right there. And that loss against Miami is not a terrible loss. They fought back hard in that game. And against Duke, yeah, they really fought back hard again. And like I said, I think they woke up. I think I feel I, I feel like that was a good loss for them, being how they almost won. And it was, you know, Cameron Indoor, a very hard place to play. Now they're coming home against Notre Dame, who is kind of the fake number one team in the ACC. I think they might get their doors blown out. So love that one. Right. I'm going to move to uh, another one. St. John's, I like. And I think they're very under the radar. They're a little bit injured, too, with, with uh, Champagne and a couple other guys here. And I think that uh, I like their schedule the rest of the season here. The Johnnies had a great game against Xavier, beating them outright here. And a lot of people weren't sure if um, what's-his-face was going to play. They're, I think Ashton's his name. Posh Alexander. Alexander. Posh Alexander. Good. Yeah, thank you. So a lot of people weren't sure, and he's been playing great, uh, mm. their guard there. And so – I like who they're playing here. Butler coming up here at home. That's going to be a single-digit spread. They can possibly put one on Butler. Then they have Creighton at home, and Creighton is a little not what they really should be. They they have you know the last two wins against Georgetown and Butler. Yeah, Creighton, Creighton's a little bit uh, overrated in my opinion. And uh, then they have DePaul. And then they have Xavier and then Marquette. I mean, they're done with the Villanovas. They're done with the Seton Halls. They're done with the Yukons. I think they have a very winnable schedule here, man. So I'll be on St. John's. Yeah, I was actually thinking about this yesterday. St. John's is one of those teams I'd be willing to kind of take a flyer on in the Big East tournament. 
we, we saw Georgetown last year obviously kind of got hot and and ran the table. You know, St. John's is one of these teams, they, they go so fast where if they can just be somewhat efficient offensively, I think they're averaging around 80 points per game. I mean, if they can just pair that pace with efficiency, this is a team that can absolutely uh, make a run in, uh, in, in uh, Madison Square Garden. So, yeah, I, I certainly do agree with that. You know, a little bit too inconsistent for my liking. It'll be interesting to see, you know, playing teams like Butler, who you know probably a little bit more consistent. Now, they, they certainly don't have the upside. It's just going to be interesting to see how the how they match up against a team like Butler. Creighton, I think, is kind of in that same vein. So it uh, sh- should be interesting. But, you know, just kind of – Kind of depending on on where that price is at for you know St. John's to win the Big East tournament. I was thinking about that. Certainly would would probably be a play I'd be willing to take a flyer on, uh, just because they they can get so hot. Right, right. Well, we'll be shopping for those in the Big East. I'm definitely not going to take a favorite. I don't want. I don't think I'm going to touch a, a Villanova the way they look. They can they can be really good and they can be bad too. Uh, right. Let's get another one. Any other buy low teams or sell high? I really like the, the, uh, this Arkansas team uh, right now. I think they're projected as a six seed. I just think this team is really balanced as well. And, and, and that's kind of teams that I'm looking for as we head into this final month of the season. Uh, I think Arkansas is really underrated on the defensive end of the floor. I believe uh, they're top 20 in defensive efficiency. Uh, listen, they, they don't shoot the three as well as I think most, most people would probably expect, but Unlike a team like Alabama, who doesn't adjust to that, you know, I think both of those teams shooting around 31% from deep this year. But, you know, uh, I think Eric Musselman has done a really good job kind of adjusting to that. Uh, They find different ways to score. I think this is a team that's won 10 out of their last 11 games. It was obviously well publicized that uh, they had a really bad stretch there. Uh, I think they lost to Hofstra, uh, lost by double digits to Mississippi State lost to, to Texas A&M, but this is certainly a team that's playing playing really good basketball here at the right time. They're only lost here recently, lost by one at Alabama, tough place to play. Uh, I think this Arkansas team has what it, I think they made the second weekend last year as well. So I think here over the last month, I'm going to certainly be keeping my eyes uh, on the Razorbacks. Yeah, for sure. They do have it tough. Tennessee coming up, then Kentucky, LSU, F- yeah, Florida's meh. But yeah, then they have Tennessee twice. So yeah, yeah. I mean, definitely as a dog, I love Arkansas. And I'll tell you this: uh, that that run, I think they're a little banged up. That run too. And sometimes yeah. they catch some people, then they get hot. That's why we love to uh, get on some of these teams. I mean, you can't help it if you shoot a team that's lights out. Like uh, when Virginia lost in the first game of the tournament, they played Baltimore, Maryland, and they couldn't miss. It just happens. When Buffalo beat Arizona in the tournament. Couldn't miss. Right. It's like, what are you going to do? You, they can't miss. You can't. It's hard to hard to win those games. I'm going to go with Vanderbilt. Um, they have some winnable mm. games here left on their schedule, and I know that they're not quite as under the radar as they were maybe a week ago here. But um, I, I, I'm just looking at their schedule. I think they got through the most of the gauntlet in the um, in the SEC because they play their Arkansas, they play their Tennessees, they play their LSU's, they play the Kentuckys. And now they just have Texas A&M, Bama at home, both those games at home, Mississippi State away, very possible win, Florida, who's been banged up all year at home, and then Ole Miss at the end. So I, I like Vandy. I do too. I was actually on them twice this past week. I think they played Missouri at home. Uh, I had them in like a, a little money line parlay. They ended up winning that game. I also took the points with them when they traveled to uh, to Knoxville this past Saturday. I totally agree with you. that. This is another team that's pretty underrated defensively. The only question for them is, you know, their offense kind of lives and dies by Scottie Pippen Jr. 
Uh, but when he's on, I think they can compete with with really anybody in that conference. So I I, I would certainly agree. They're a team that's that's turning at the right time. Should make some noise here uh, towards the end of the season. Well, let's just hope Scotty Pippen doesn't write any more books coming up here. Uh, <laughs> let's move to sell high, man. Um, I have one I'm going to sell high on here, and it's, believe it or not, Rutgers. Uh, great home team, and they actually did beat Wisconsin on the road, and I'm going to give them credit for that, but I will say that Wisconsin sucked that game. They couldn't hit nothing. One of those games that, you know, they probably should have beat Wisconsin by a lot more than they actually did. Wisconsin was stinking up and down the court. Um, but they got their big win against Illinois here, and they're probably in now. Great, and they're probably in. Now they're playing a big Purdue team, and that's one we're going to talk about, but I think this is going to be a sell-high team for Rutgers. They're a team that, you know, is so good at home, but un, un, unlucky unlucky for them, you know, uh, Big Ten tournaments not played at the rack. Certainly the NCAA tournaments not played at the rack. I mean, they haven't really proven that they can win away from home. I mean, I, like you said, we'll talk about them here in a second, but, I mean, they've been unbelievable at home. They have, they, they have some sort of magic there. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if, if that travels as they get uh, towards the postseason. Well, I'll tell you this. I lost on them last year in Madison Square Garden, and they stunk. And that's like in their backyard. And so I'm like, mm-hmm. first of all, this is the lightest travel spot you got. You're probably going to have the most fans you can on a neutral court in Madison Square Garden. You do this? Oh, my God. So that, that <laughs> that's still stuck in my mind. But they still have the main guys there and their coach. I'm going to go with Furman as a sell-high team. Number 78 in Ken Palm still. And their best win is against 114 Wofford. I'm like, why the heck is Furman still in the top 70 on Kempom? And it's not like they went through a three-game stretch where they just lost those games against Greensboro, uh, Chattanooga, and East Tennessee. But then they got Wofford here on deck. I might be taking Wofford here, man. I don't know. It's a Saturday game. But I'll tell you this. Furman is not a top 70 team. And they have a bunch of wins, and they beat some of the, the the stepsisters of the poor pretty bad. And that's why they're so high on the efficiency sites. But the, but they're not a good team. So I'm going to go with Furman as an overrated. Yeah, uh, I'm going to kind of add on to that. One team I'm looking to kind of sell high on here, uh, and this is, this is kind of more of an a eye test versus analytics thing. If you look at a team like Tennessee, I think they're all the way up to number nine in Ken Palm. Uh, and, and listen, they play really good defense. I'm not going to talk anybody off of that. I just don't think this, this latest success they've had offensively is, is, uh, is going to hold true here towards the end of the season. Uh, they, they, they lost last year in the first round to Oregon state. This is a team that I I just think has let down written all over them. Uh, I I don't think the analytics necessarily back that up. Uh, but they, they haven't really stepped up in, in big spots this year until, uh, just this week when they beat Kentucky, that was really kind of their Super Bowl. Um, I, I'm just not high on Tennessee. Uh, maybe it's just a personal thing. I know it kind of goes against the analytics, but I've, I just I, I think this Vols team is going to get bounced in the first weekend this year. Rick Barnes is a terrible ATS coach at the end of the season. I don't disagree with you at all. Maybe that's a preview to one of the games that you <laughs> picked here, Arkansas against Tennessee. So that's interesting. And I had Tennessee written down as a sell high as well. But let's get into some of these games then, Michael. Friday, I picked one, and I picked Missouri versus Mississippi State, minus 11. The total is 137. I picked this uh, game pretty much for the reason that um, there's not a lot going on Friday night. I do think the Johnnies play on Friday, but it's a tricky spot for them after the big Xavier win. 
So I'm not sure if I'm going to have a direction on that. Obviously, everything's line dependent. But I'm going to predict this line, Mississippi State minus 11-ish. Total is 137. Both these teams, very pathetic in the in the uh, SEC. But what can you do? Look at how strong the SEC is at the top seven, eight of their teams. But what I'm going to say is Missouri has tended to kind of give up in some spots this year. And now that they're sitting there at 10 and 15, they're done. I mean, they're not making the tournament. So any team that's in a position where they're not going to make the tournament, especially when it comes to the Power Five, they tend to kind of quit a little bit earlier than some of the other teams. On the other hand, Mississippi State might think that they're a bubble team still. (laughs) And they're not really. But they're 14 and 11, and they might think that. And I think you're going to see some more effort from them. Now, both teams play pretty slow ranking 10th and 12th in SEC tempo. Both are in the bottom 90 in tempo in all of Division I basketball. So I, th- I think you're going to see some defense here either way. And maybe Mississippi State doesn't cover this, but there's a chance that Missouri doesn't put up anything at all. I, I think that this could be an underplay for me. I don't know if you looked at this one. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, I actually kind of kind of question whether Mississippi State's going to bring uh... – their level of effort here. I mean, uh, just just a few weeks ago, they, they were squarely on the bubble. They've unfortunately lost their their last. Excuse me, they've lost their last four games. Uh, tough stretch of games. I mean, at Arkansas, Tennessee, at LSU, at Alabama. But like you said, this is a team that that's not on the bubble anymore. And so this is you know coming back home, kind of an uninspiring game against Missouri. And listen, this is a, a Tigers team that it's kind of been feisty as of late. I mean, they beat Ole Miss, one at A and M. Just a one-point loss to Auburn. As I handicap this game, I think there's so much motivation involved on both sides, kind of as you mentioned. It's not really a game I'm probably going to play. If Mississippi State does bring the effort, should be able to win this game by double digits, but you know, probably not going to make my card here. Yep. So, I, I yeah, and I look at the under here, but I could see a couple things happen. I think their Alabama win and Arkansas earlier win makes them think that they're probably being three games above 500 have a shot here, but they're more NIT destined for me or CIT even in my opinion. Who knows? Who knows where they're going to place them? But um, let's move. Do you have anything for Friday or you want to get into Saturday? Uh, I didn't write. I didn't uh, prep anything else for Friday. So uh, I know we got a big card Saturday. Let's get into that. All right. Why don't you go first and why don't you pick a game for Saturday? Um, man, I'm gonna look at this Alabama Kentucky game. I think we were both on the over in this game. Uh, the last time these two teams met up and it went probably 40 or 50 points under, I, I think Alabama, and I kind of mentioned this earlier, they're, they're such a tough team because they take so many threes. I think they're top 10 in all of college basketball and threes attempted per game, but you know, they're only shooting 31% uh, from beyond the arc. So it's, it's just a tough team. I think very high variance team. Like you said, we we've seen them step up in competition. Well, I mean, beat Gonzaga. They've had you know a, a lot of big wins this year, but just not really a team I'm willing to trust here on the road. Um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how Kentucky responds off that Tennessee loss. Uh, I, I I think John Calipari and, and this Kentucky team has certainly earned the benefit of the doubt for me. I mean, I think this is a team that that could certainly make the Final Four this year. You know, it's going to be interesting to see uh, Ty Ty Washington's status. He's obviously probably. Uh, Kentucky's best player. Uh, he, he's kind of been on and off the injury report this year. Played only 12 minutes in that Tennessee game. Uh, his status is really not certain for this one. Uh, I, I probably have to lean Kentucky in this one, though. They've already beaten Alabama once. Uh, it, it, it is hard to beat 
uh, same team, especially that that kind of on the same level twice in the same season. But uh, I, I just think this Alabama team is a little bit too volatile uh, for my liking. And then uh, as far as the over, it's just so uh, like I said, I mean, I was having a lot of success on these Alabama overs, but this is a team that can go ice cold from three and then you're just kind of dead. So uh, I'd probably lean lean the uh, lean the uh, Wildcats in this one. And it's minus 10. I wrote I wrote minus 10 is probably going to be the spread. Total 153 is kind of what I was thinking, which is high. And I was on the over last game. I think we both. Right. I think we both were actually. And it yep. was um, we got burned. And it was bad. And it was because of Kentucky's defense, really. And it was just it was so sloppy. You know, it's Bama like, shot three of thirty from uh, from three, so that that doesn't help either. Yeah, fast break turnover turned into another fast break turnover that turned into the other fast break turnover. It was just like man, everything pace was definitely there. Throw. The pace yeah. was seventy four possessions and going to only one twenty one. You know, that was pathetic, but it was based on their defense. And now you're going to get another high total. And it made me scratch my head. It was one of those, like, I was on the wrong side of it. I I, I should have respected Kentucky's defense more. The thing about Kentucky is Cal Perry didn't try to slow down the game that much. So I am a little bit concerned here. But the spreads tells me also, if it's really going to be 10 points, that Kentucky really could take them out of their rhythm. And if that's the case, Kentucky will slow it down and play their game. You know, you see some of the defensive teams will have success against the faster offensive teams by just slowing the game down. I think Calipari might do that, but I'm just going to give you a lean to the under unless I really know what's going on here. I, You know, I have one more thing to add on this game. I think Alabama, and we kind of touched on this with uh, with our analysis of Rutgers, team that's very good at home. Uh, they, they step up in competition well at home. Traveling to Rupp Arena here, I just don't think this is Alabama's role. So I... I that, that, that's probably more than anything why I do lean towards Kentucky in this game. All right. Well, hey, you have another game that you picked. It wasn't it uh, Tennessee, Arkansas. Why don't we get right? Since we're in the SEC, let's get right into that one, Michael. What do you have? Yeah, you know, obviously d- just touched on these two teams uh, in our buy sell segment. Obviously, it was kind of selling on selling high on Tennessee, buying low on Arkansas. And I should say before you get into it, it's going to be a one point spread, probably one to two. Right. And it's going to be at Arkansas. It's going to be sitting there two and a half, one and a half, you know, bouncing around all day. And the total is going to be around the one forty ish range. I think too. maybe one thirty eight, even let's just go with one thirty eight. Right. You know, so with that said, whoever you're betting on it, it, I I don't think the, the number is really going to matter here. If you're taking Tennessee, you're expecting them to win. Same thing for Arkansas. I mean, I'd certainly lean Arkansas, in this game, uh, it's going to be interesting, in my opinion, to see how the odds makers priced price uh, Tennessee after that big win against Kentucky. Uh, should be interesting. I also somewhat lean towards the under. I just kind of talked about how I didn't think Tennessee's offensive success was necessarily uh, uh, sustainable. Uh, I, Arkansas is obviously a, a top twenty defense. You know, the only thing that might keep me off of that under is just uh, Razorbacks go with quite a bit of pace. I think they're twenty second. In, uh, in tempo this year. So I, I think my better look would certainly probably be uh, towards the Razorback side at home. Uh, so certainly a spot they've been good in this season. Well, I will be betting Arkansas. At right. home. I don't care what the spread is. Um, obviously, it's three and a half. I'm going to be pissed. <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, I just can't see how a, a Tennessee team who's ranks 341st in consistency and 336 on uh, Haslametrics as an away team is going to beat Arkansas here, especially coming off a Kentucky win. This is a big letdown spot for, for Tennessee, and I don't think Rick Barnes can uh, put the – uh, the motivation into his team well in these situations. Um, Arkansas, like you said, uh, really up and coming again after they kind of faltered throughout the season. Arkansas has got a chip on their shoulder for sure. I think that uh, Arkansas does play a, I, I guess you'd say a faster pace and Tennessee's kind of uh, kind of in the middle here, I would say 169th right. in the nation here. But um, just being with Arkansas on their home court here, I like how they match up a little bit against Tennessee as well. Tennessee is a they shoot a ton of threes. They rank 85th in the nation um, in in the amount of three points attempted, and so you know that's what they would have to do to get going. But that's also part of the reason why they're missing and and being a bad team away. Now, when they played Texas, that was one of our biggest beats because they're up by 15 points. There, or Texas was up by 15 points, and then Texas just choked and let them come, get back in the game, and they won by one. Like 15, they were up by 15 in the last like three minutes of the game. It, it was yeah. like turnover after turnover. It was ridiculous, and I do give Tennessee credit for doing that. But the fact that you were down by 15 in this, I think that it shows that this was more of a choke on Texas, and this away stat should be even more obvious to fade Tennessee. In my uh, in my opinion, and I totally agree. And, and, and just everything about Arkansas, I, I I think they're primed to win this game, and this is how it is. You know, the home teams eat the away teams, and I'm going to go with them. What other games you got? Uh, one other, uh, I I know we touched on the Atlantic Ten kind of earlier. I wanted to kind of talk about the St. Louis at Davidson game. Um, Listen, Davidson 21 and four on the season, but they're barely skating by most of these conference games. And I kind of mentioned this earlier, the the A10 is not not really good this year. I mean, they're beating teams like George Washington by five, LaSalle by eight. You know, average margin of victory since January 8th, less than five points per game. So while Davidson uh, does have that 21 and four record, is certainly one of the better teams in the A10. I think St. Louis is actually worth a look here. Uh, unfortunately for, for the Billikens, got swept by St. Bonaventure this past week. Uh, that, that was certainly unfortunate, but, but the St. Louis team is very balanced. Uh, 46th in offensive efficiency, 68th in defensive efficiency. Looking at Davidson, uh, while they do have a good offense, uh, 13th in offensive efficiency, 216th uh, on the defensive end of the floor. Uh, I, I think St. Louis might, might be kind of a, a sneaky dog here in this one. Um, you know, Line should probably be about Davidson. Uh, I, I don't know. I, you know, St. Louis actually by Ken Palm is actually you know 16 spots ahead of Davidson. It's just going to be interesting to see in kind of a lower level conference how much home court advantage uh, the odds makers give Davidson here. But I think this is cer- certainly a, a game that St. Louis could go in and win. Both teams are pretty consistent. Um, Davidson's uh, momentum is terrible right now. They've been losing against the spread recently. Um, we're only ranking 351st in momentum. Um, neither team is good away. Like St. Louis isn't ranked high away, and Davidson's not ranked um, that well at home. What I will say is that I think St. Louis is better too, and um, th- th- it's spread dependent for me. Okay. Right. Uh, if, if I'm getting a two or less as a favorite, um, 
I would take even St. Louis, but some other people might jump on them. Now, the Bonnies, they're a top 25 team in the beginning, and they faltered, and they kind of stepped it up again here against St. Louis. I watched some of those games, and these games were very close. Don't be fooled by that final score, 68-61. It was actually a lot closer than that for most right. most of this game. So um, I think they you know, felt they're feeling that loss. They're probably going to want to put one on someone else in their division here in Davidson. And, you know, the thing about Davidson, they got the VCU win, and they beat a lot of other teams. They did beat Alabama. Um, that's where their kind of big win came from. But let's not forget they lost to San, uh, New Mexico State way back, and they also lost to VCU at home. And they still have to play uh, uh, Dayton coming up in a little while too. So it's not like they've had that grunt to, that tough as a schedule. Let's move into a Sunday game then, and then we'll kind of get on just a couple quick hitters, and I'll throw them out there, nothing that we prep for, but I'd like to you know, just try to talk about as many games as possible for our audience. I like the Rutgers versus Purdue game here, and I think I might have given you guys a little wink-wink too about my uh, fade on Rutgers. It, this spread shows nine on Ken Palm, but I'll be damned if this thing's going to be nine with how bad Purdue's been playing lately. I mean, they pushed pretty much against Northwestern last night, and I was on Northwestern at plus six. I pushed. But um, Rutgers just tearing through teams, and that, like I said, that Wisconsin win was a little bit fraudulent. Illinois also couldn't hit the broad side of a barn either last night if they were uh, 10 feet away. I mean, they, they just played terrible. But Rutgers, yeah, they deserve what they're, they're getting. They're playing really well. I always like to be on Rutgers. But Purdue is in a revenge spot here. Purdue's loss early in the season that really stopped them from being a top two, top three Ken Palm team was that Rutgers loss, and they probably remember it. The, th the funny thing about the Big Ten is, you know, they play those two early games and then they get into the season. That gives you more time to just chew your teeth on a loss you know and that's what i think that purdue did a little bit here um you know purdue terrible showing against maryland terrible against michigan away then they go to northwestern and kind of handle them this is that game where they kind of feel like they can jump back into the top eight you know jump back into that possible one seed maybe two seed conversation because everybody's on Rutgers now well in my opinion this spread is not going to be what uh, people think it is I think it's going to be a seven and a half ish and I think I might be, be playing Purdue here I, I I'd certainly lean towards that side as well I, I actually think it's going to be a little bit higher wouldn't be surprised if it has that if it is at that nine nine and a half uh, we saw Purdue against Michigan uh, last weekend or two weekends ago I think they were laying nine and a half in that game as well. So I, I wouldn't be surprised to see it uh, close to double digits. You know, it, it's really kind of a, a contrast of styles here. Purdue, uh, certainly, I think they, they rank number one in offensive efficiency on Ken Palm, uh, but they, they do kind of struggle on the defensive end of the floor. Rutgers, on the other hand, uh, they're in the, the 150s, I think, in offensive efficiency, or excuse me, actually 110th. So, so still in the bottom or still outside the top 100, but 42nd in defensive efficiency. Both these teams go at a pretty slow play, uh, slow pace. Uh, it's hard to get a gauge on the total, though, just given that uh, two two contrasting styles. It's going to be just. I, I I think this is certainly a game you, you kind of stick looking towards a side here. I, I certainly lean towards Purdue. Like you said, though, they aren't in uh, in great current form right now. Uh, last three games, twenty four point loss at Michigan. That was obviously a revenge game for the Wolverines. Uh, and then, as you mentioned, one point win at home against Maryland, and then. 
just a six-point win at Northwestern. This does kind of feel like the spot where they do step up. And, you know, I'm certainly not – I think Rutgers, we, as we talked about in the buy-sell segment, really, really good at home. I mean, they're an absolute wagon at home. Just looking at who they've beaten at home this year, Purdue, Illinois, Ohio State, Michigan State, Michigan. I'm not quite willing to trust them on the road here in this really tough environment. So uh, I'm, I'm probably not going to have a, have a play on this game, but I'd certainly lean with you towards Purdue. All right. Fair enough. And yeah, Ken Palm does have it bigger. I thought it was nine. It was a, it shows 11. So maybe this is going to be a little bit higher, but I can't imagine being at double digits here. The interesting about these two teams, Rutgers and Purdue, both rank very low in consistency. 321st for Purdue and 355th for Rutgers. Rutgers has some weird losses this year and some big wins, you know, they're right. They're almost Wisconsin ish. You know, they, they they get beat by Illinois by 35 points. <laughs> they lose to Seton Hall by 15. They lose to Penn State by 20, like almost 20. <laughs> I think 17 points. Penn State's terrible. They lose to Minnesota, who, who's terrible. Right. They, they lost at home to Maryland. And this is a way to game. Yeah, it, it's Purdue nothing. Any other games that you want to talk about, or should we just kind of go hodgepodge and just throw a few out there? Uh, I, I did prep a little bit for Iowa uh, and Ohio State. You know, two really good offenses. Couldn't talk anybody off of an over there. Uh, I, I was interested to actually hear. I, I know you're kind of a, a Big Ten guy. Uh, I was interested to hear if you had anything on that game uh, and if, if, if you could talk anybody off the over because, it you know, it obviously seems somewhat obvious just given I think each of these teams is top ten in offensive efficiency uh, and, and neither are particularly – efficient on the defensive end of the floor. So uh, I, I kind of wanted to, to get your thoughts on that game. And this is on Saturday, isn't it? Yeah. Um, Correct. Iowa's been playing out of their minds lately, and I want to fade them so bad. And uh, but, here, <laughs> but here's the thing. It's, it's, th- it's Thursday, and they're playing Michigan tonight. And right. so, I mean, it, it, I, I might miss it. Um, I will be on Ohio State if they uh, beat Michigan here. Um, if they lose to Michigan outright, I don't know. It's going to affect the spread. If they lose to Michigan outright, it certainly will. So I have to take a look at it. But in my opinion, Ohio State is a easy three and a half, four points here at home. Yeah. Now, Iowa is ranked higher on Ken Palm, which tells me this spread will probably be B3 or two and a half. So this is kind of where I was thinking about jumping on a, a Ohio State. So Iowa, you know, obviously has, you know, Keegan Murray there, and he's you know, top kid, sophomore coming in but he is he can be pretty soft in my opinion and he tries to step back and just takes the easy three a lot and hell he's hitting a ton of them and uh jordan bohannon obviously great three-point shooter there but if these guys are cold this this team gets smoked in my opinion and and that's the big question um they are one of the fastest teams in the nation iowa number six in uh in pace in in all the nation and of course number one on in the big 10 only 15.2 average seconds per possession now michigan plays with the other teams they are sorry not i mean ohio state kind of plays with the other teams michigan actually does too but um ohio state will will pick up the pace sometimes um if they have to for example when they played purdue um this thing was uh in the up i think upper 60s of positions but they also just couldn't stop. They couldn't, they couldn't miss, right? And so uh, Michigan will try to catch up if they have to uh, uh, play catch up, I guess is what I'm trying to say here. 71 possessions against when against Wisconsin when they beat Wisconsin 
at home. This feels like that game. Because when they beat Wisconsin, they beat them by 18 points. And there were 71 possessions this game. And Wisconsin doesn't even play nearly as fast as Iowa. So I'm going to lean over. It's going to be a big over. That's my problem. It's going to be probably 153, 155. I noticed noticed just looking at trends, um, uh, betting trends, the, the unders are hammered at about a little bit overnight. Um, on the overnight lines, and then they get hammered again a couple times during the morning. And then about noon is where you get your lower total, and then it starts creeping up again. That's what I've been noticing in a lot of basketball, actually, especially in the Big Ten. So if you do like the over, I would um, either get it super early, or sorry, either get it right in the morning after it gets hammered once, and then it goes back up, and it's going to creep down again, maybe closer to the noontime, Eastern time to do that. But what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I mean, I, I was certainly leaning Ohio State. Their defense has actually been a lot more trustworthy as of late. Um, you know, I, I think they've won three three out of their last four, you know, two blowout wins at home, just a two-point loss at Rutgers. Like we said, it's one of the toughest places to play for anybody here in the Big Ten. Uh, and then, you know, one on the road at Michigan by 11 last weekend. I, I think this is a team that's in really good current form. I think Iowa was really volatile, kind of as you said. I, I I think Ohio State probably pulls away in the second half and then, uh, and probably covers this one. Yeah, and Iowa's going to try to push the pace. The question is if Ohio State's going to try to stop them. But I've seen Ohio State play with some people, so I find that interesting. Let's look at another Saturday game. I mean, obviously Gonzaga. I mean, what are you going to do with this team now? You know, I mean, they are over. They're inflated always, but they're covering a lot of the time. Just because they want to, <laughs> you know, they don't they don't slow it down when they should be at the end and running the clock. They, I've seen that happen a lot. So they're going to be playing Santa Clara. And what's funny about this is that this is going to be a massive uh, total here. <laughs> I mean, I'm seeing like wow. 160. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's just like can Santa Clara hang around and actually keep the pace going here? Because Santa Clara ranks 29th in pace, right? So. I wanted to bring that up just because the Aiden Gonzaga is number one, really, and and Santa Clara is a good seventeen and nineteen team, but um, you know, there's gonna be people looking at the over here, and I'm not saying I'm gonna go bet the under, but man, this thing's gonna be high. Did uh, did Gonzaga end up covering against Pepperdine last night? I was kind of watching some of that game. I don't know. I think it was a 30, 30 and a half point spread. No, they didn't. Twenty. They won by twenty. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, I mean it. That's just the problem with this team. I mean, these spreads are so high. It's just, I mean, they're trying to price you out of, of playing on them. Uh, yeah, I, I don't really have an opinion on this game yet, but uh, I, I don't really want to be betting against Gonzaga, against anybody, really. Yeah, me either. And it's going to be a 20-point spread, 21. Gonzaga's at home. And Ken Palm has it 165. Jesus. It's not going to be 165, but it's going to be 160 for sure. You know, that's where I think this is. Problem with playing totals that high is, you know, both teams kind of have to bring it. Uh, I, I think maybe the safer play, I, I think it's going to be way too high, but uh, just in general, maybe playing Gonzaga team total overs, uh, if, if you do think they'll have some success. You know, problem with, with playing an over that like 165 is, you know, both teams have got to be really efficient. Both teams have got to bring it, and sometimes we just don't always get that. You're going to get the pace from Santa Clara, but you're not going to necessarily get the shots, and maybe Gonzaga does slow it down in the last two minutes, right? It's it's right. their it's their choice whether your over hits or not. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're going to say we're going to see, we're going to tell you if your over hits. 
<laughs> no, I, I agree. This is probably a good spot to look at the team total here um, for Gonzaga. And that's what I was kind of doing last year a little bit, too, taking team total on Gonzaga over. You know, Arizona versus Oregon. I mean, Oregon, I'm not betting against Arizona. I think Arizona is the best team in the Pac-12 easily. And, uh, you know, don't want to mess with them, really. And, um, you know, they're, they're they're really tall and really fast. <laughs> they play a little sloppy sometimes. And Oregon needs this win more than they do. That's for sure. But Absolutely. I, I think they're right on that last four in, first four out. So they, I mean, this would put them squarely in the tournament field. Uh, just because they have to win, though, doesn't mean they're going to. Right. Kansas at West Virginia is interesting. It's only going to be like a seven-point spread, and West Virginia stinks kind of. But same Horrible point. current form. But Kansas, I mean, not a great away team. Well, they're not terrible away, I guess. But, I mean, this is uh, one of those teams you're like, wait, why didn't Kansas show up today? <laughs> this could be one of those games, you know? Like, well, why didn't they come to play? <laughs> you might get that. And, you know, Saturday games are weird. Um so that was one that's going to be a big game that people watch. Duke, Florida State's going to stink. Uh, Florida State mm-hmm. is so injured, and they're done. They're toast. Revenge game for Duke, too, off that overtime loss uh, back in Tallahassee, back, back when Florida State was actually at full strength. Yeah, I mean, I think Florida State trailed by 30 at halftime against North Carolina this past Saturday. Uh, I, I think they'll probably get, get run out of the building once more against this Duke team. Right, right. And then who wants to go against Baylor after they lost against TCU? Yeah, I don't want to go against Baylor after they lost. Not really. No way. (laughs) (laughs) And I know they're really injured, but their point guard's back now, and he's going to be pissed. Uh, I mean, (laughs) they were up by seven at halftime, and then just offensively in the second half, you just just couldn't make shots. And you just can't do that playing at Texas Tech. Not having Chamu Chachua really – Really got to their heads there, I think. Um, yep. Poor guy towards ACL. I really sucked. I'm not going to talk about Auburn, Florida. If um, I, I, there's no way, I'm not going to. I'm, I'm not going to bet Florida in this game. It's Florida's at home, but you know, it's still it's <laughs> Florida's Florida's done, and Auburn. Yep. Uh, Auburn's still feeling their loss. Now, what I will last game. Let's just bring up real quick is uh, Illinois, Michigan State, and I find this game kind of interesting because both teams have been losing. You know. Um, not consistently. Well, I guess Michigan State's kind of been losing consistency a little bit. Um, they Three out of the last four they lost, right? They beat Indiana, but now they're going home against a pissed-off Illinois team, and they got Illinois coming in after that Rutgers lost. Oh, my God, did they shoot bad that game. Um, you know, Illinois only 26% from three. They actually weren't terrible from two, 45%. That's not terrible for on the road, but Rutgers was 64% from the – oh, no, that's sorry. They were 53% from uh, two. So they they played a very, very good game. And, uh, you know, Illinois is probably reeling a little bit. They couldn't rebound the ball, so they're going to want to rebound it better. Coach is probably in their heads. But this is going to be a one-point spread or a pick em game. Um, yep. I, and I didn't really handicap the game yet, but I probably have to go with Illinois, man. What, what do you think? Yeah, I actually did handicap this game quite a bit. Obviously, these teams met, I think, three weeks ago uh, in Champaign. We saw Illinois win that game six, uh, excuse me, 56 to 55, so, so just a one-point win for them. It's just tough because I, I believe they didn't have Kofi Coburn in that game. Um, you know, it was also a tough spot for Michigan State. Uh, fought back in the second half of that game, uh, but that was, a, that was their second straight road game. Uh, prior to that game, they had gone on the road and, and beat Wisconsin. Uh, just, just couldn't miss in that game, so it wasn't exactly – the best spot for Michigan State. I don't really know uh, what to take away from that necessarily. I, I guess maybe a slight lean toward Michigan State 
it's just uh, with no Kofi Coburn in that first matchup, it's just going to be kind of kind of a gamble to to see how how Michigan State uh, kind of controls him. Yeah, yep. And Kofi's you know had a bad game last game, and um, he's going to be kind of coming back a little bit pissed too. So th- th- this is interesting. That game went way under last last time. It was yeah. uh, you know fifty six to fifty five, and I, I wonder if Michigan or if Illinois is a little bit less sloppy this game. Michigan State tends to play with whoever's setting the pace too, so you're going to get about 140, 141. I'm going to I'm going to give a slightly in Illinois still, so we'll see if the we'll see if I change my mind, my man. But we're out of time, Michael. Thank you so much for coming on. Where could our guests or where could our listeners, I should say, find your great information in place? Yeah, uh, follow me on Twitter at Fordham Gambling. That's kind of the the central hub where I mean I, I tweet out kind of what I have going every day. Uh, I also have a link tree. Uh, Kiev, could could you put that in the description? Uh, I have, have a link tree where you can find my my free play articles. Uh, I, I think my Twitter is there as well. You can learn more about becoming a premium member. But yeah, uh, I'd say follow me on Twitter at Fordham Gambling. Uh, I'm, I'm we're obviously very deep into college basketball season. Uh, sh- should be a really good last month here as we enter March. Definitely one of my favorite times of the year. All right, Michael, thank you so much for coming on, my man. We'll be chatting this week, and best of luck to you. Thanks, Kiev. All right, my friends, now it's time for a little UFC on ESPN 48. You have Jamahal Hill versus Johnny Walker, and this card isn't great. It's got some has-beens. It's got some never-beens. It's got some new guys. You know, no big names. I can't even say that Jamahal Hill's a big name yet, right? I think Fazeev was supposed to fight. That's why. And that got canceled or something. Well, it actually got postponed until UFC 272, which is a much better card. You got Fazeev against Rafael Dos Anjos. And, and you unfortunately lost Benil Duryush to an injury. And he was supposed to fight Islam Makachev. That was going to be such a great fight, man. I'm so disappointed in that. Now, Bobby Green has stepped up against islam so this is going to be really interesting to talk about next week but this week i'm not going to lie this card is not great there's a few nuggets i might have found in here i'm not in a rush to bet too many things but i do want to give you a play on this and basically it's going to involve the main event all right my friends well Gemma hall hill is a big favorite here um minus 240 against johnny walker and Johnny Walker is plus 240 again at Bet MGM, plus 200 in Caesars, plus 195 in Unibet. I mean, he is a dog here, and he is he should be a dog. I have not been impressed with Johnny Walker in a very long time. He's pretty much all name, no kick, right? He's, he's like those bottles of Johnny Walker that your kids got into that they try to actually dump some water in to keep the levels high instead that absolutely gives you no buzz whatsoever. <laughs> it's, that's Johnny Walker, right? And Jamal Hill is a massive striker, 
Yeah, he lost against Paul Craig recently, and we're on uh, Hill that fight. Paul Craig just amazing submit, <laughs> submission. He's could not believe him getting out of that against Jamahal Hill, and he caught Jamahal Hill. But that's not what Johnny Walker has, man. Johnny Walker is a striker. Fifteen uh, KOs, two submissions, one decision, and he has three losses by KO, one submission, and two decisions here. In my opinion. Johnny Walker can last some fights. He lost. He went to the decision against Nikita Krylov. He went to decision against Tiago Santos. And he actually lost both of those. It's almost like if he wins, he catches you in a KO, right? Um, only has one decision win from way back. So in my opinion, this is just going to be a fight about striking. I also think that Hill throws a lot of strikes, right? This is not going to be like the Tiago Santos fight. Hill lands 7.45 significant strikes landed per minute, and Johnny Walker, 3.42 significant strikes landed per minute. You know, Hill throws hard, and he throws uh, frequently. This is going to be a long fight. I mean, it's a five-round fight because it is the main event. I'm just going to say that Jamal Hill wins by KO, at minus 150. I am not like super confident in that. I think he wins, but I think the KO is still a pretty good price here at minus 150, being that it's not three rounds and it's at five rounds. So that's what we're going to take for one star. All right. If you have any questions about what we discussed on this podcast, feel free to tweet us at the Oddsbreakers. A huge thanks to Michael Fordham for coming on and giving us his takes in college basketball. Everyone, enjoy the games. Enjoy all the fights. Have some fun and go get some winners.